Chapter 40 So glad you could come, old chap, the Gaga said, half rising with great effort from his capacious chair. Karna took his hand unsmilingly. Sit down, won't you? There's a good fellow. Tea? Steaming cups were poured, not by a Savoy waiter, but by a menial in a cummerbund who bowed as he handed the refreshment to his master. Karna declined with a curt shake of the head, the offer of a silver tray laden with pastries. The Gaga looked astonished. Really? he asked, as he stuffed a glazed pink object into his mouth, and almost in the same gesture helped himself to a cream puff. Don't know what you're missing, old chap. Karna remained pointedly silent. Mustid, you know, the Gaga went on bonhomously. All in the cause of duty for me, of course. My followers weigh me against gold and diamonds every birthday, and it wouldn't do to let them down by placing a slip-like figure on the scales. Ruins the spectacle, don't you know? And doesn't make much of a birthday present, either. <laughs> he guffawed into his tea. Karna seemed incapable even of a polite smile. The Gaga decided to try again. One of my wives, can't remember which one, put pearls around her neck and they're all alike. <laughs> it used to go on about my eating. Don't take this, put that down, not another helping, you know the sort of thing. Till I told her that each bite of the foie gras meant another sapphire for her collection. Quite literally, and then I couldn't stop her shoveling the stuff onto my plate. <laughs> he chuckled at the memory and then noticed Karna sitting stiff and unmoved, his cup untouched on the table by the side. The attempted banter passed. The Gaga took an elaborate sip of tea, one pudgy and bejeweled little finger held delicately in the air. Suppose you're wondering why I asked you to come here, he said at last. The question had occurred to me, Karna said dryly. The cup rattled in Gaga's hand. This was not a tone of voice he was accustomed to hearing. Hoit! He exhaled sharply. Hoit! He reached for a chocolate eclair and munched it reflectively. Fact is, we'd like to see you back in India. We? Karna sat still, one eyebrow raised in interrogation. The Muslim group, the Gaga explained. Our party needs men like you. Oh? Karna seemed to want him to go on. How much easier it was, the Gaga thought, to deal with men of the turf. They were content with a pat and a nod, and the occasional packet of cash. This cold, aloof lawyer with the arrogant eyes was another sort of customer altogether. And yet, he was just the sort of jockey needed to spur an overweight, complacent thoroughbred into purposeful motion. The Gaga sighed. You are aware of the current political position in India, he began. I've been following events, yes, Karna confirmed. The Gaga sensed an opportunity to let the other one do the talking. Good, he breathed his relief. And uh, how do you assess the situation? I believe it's quite deplorable, the lawyer replied. Ganga Datta and his Kaurava party are the only actors of any consequence on the stage and they stand for all that is retrogressive and populist in Indian politics. If they are to triumph, we shall witness neither democracy nor progress, 
but mobocracy and anarchy in India. Hindu mobocracy, the Gaga added. Perhaps, although rioters have no religion, as we have seen during this wretched mango business. It galls me to see the leadership of India fall into the hands stained by mango juice. Well put, well put, the Gaga said, thinking enviously of the mangoes wasted on the agitators. They were his favourite fruit, and he had made an annual practice of sending a back basket of choicest Alfonso to every Englishman of distinction he sought to cultivate. The unusual gift, accompanied by a crested card bearing the calligraphed compliments of the Gaga Shah, had opened the doors of many a stately home for him in the past. This year, thanks to Gangaji's bad taste, they had had a disastrous effect. Few new invitations had been prompted by what some saw as a symbol of sedition, and in two cases, his baskets had been sent back to him, their contents intact. Next year, the Gaga sighed, he would have to think of something more appropriate to give. I'm afraid I don't believe any of the other parties have covered themselves with glory either, Karna added. The Muslim group is moribund, the Gaga completed the sentence for him. Quite, but then what can you expect from a gathering of Nawabs and Zamindars? We have wealth, we have status, we have positions of influence. What? Can I be candid with you, my dear Karna? We lack, uh, you know, energy. He helped himself to a madeleine. That is why I've asked you here today, old chap. The Muslim group needs you. Karna looked at him in silence for a long moment. What exactly are you proposing? He asked at last. The Gaga looked nonplussed. Why, that you should come back, of course. Join the group, my dear fellow. Give us the benefit of your perception, your advice. Advice? Karna looked hard at his host, and the Gaga noticed how the half-moon glowed at him like a third eye. Yes, and, and counsel. Karna rose to his feet. In that case, we have nothing to discuss, Your Highness, he said curtly. Your proposal is of no interest to me. Good day. The Gaga, struggling free of his enveloping embrace of the cushions into which he had sunk, nearly choked. But, but here, where, where are you going? I don't understand. I shall make myself perfectly clear. I have no desire to offer advice, as you put it, or counsel to an ineffective covey of ineffective and irrelevant old men. Pardon my language, sir. And now I shall take my leave. I have other pressing matters to attend to. The Gaga, to Karna's surprise, chuckled, restraining the young man with a pudgy hand. Come, 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 he said, pushing the lawyer with surprising strength back towards the chair. Pardon your language? <laughs> he gave vent to a throaty chortle. I shall do nothing of the kind. That is precisely the kind of language we need to hear more of in the Muslim group. Sit down, dear chap, and tell me what you think you could do for us. Apart from giving us advice, that is. <laughs> he laughed heartily and clapped his hands for more pastries. Karna mollified his half-moon fading to blend with the golden skin around it, allowed himself to be steered into a seat. Good, said the Gaga, subsiding once more into the upholstery. Now tell me. I have given the matter some thought, the lawyer said. At first, I hesitated even to come here, 
I've never had a high opinion of the political achievements of your group, despite my personal regard for many of its members. The Gaga acknowledged the courtesy, and the criticism it modified with a generous nod. In the ordinary course, I would have been reluctant to identify myself solely with one community, but I do not like the direction the Kaurava movement is taking, and I am forced to acknowledge that of the available political alternatives, the Muslim group, which at least enjoys a certain prestige in the eyes of the Raj, has the best potential. He paused here to look meaningfully at the Gaga, who noted and nodded a lemon tart between his cheeks making other communications difficult. I say potential, your highness, and I use the word advisedly, Karna continued, because I do not believe the group, as it is presently constituted, has any prospect worth the name. Expect to serve as a forum for the landed Muslim interest and to speak for the secular concerns of the community from time to time. Without, that is, wielding any real political power. The only positions the group has gained are those to which the British have chosen to appoint its members. We must be grateful for that, but we cannot afford to be content with it. Quite so, the Gaga concurred, hastily swallowing a morsel. Quite so. We are reasonably secure under the British, but we must think of the future, Karna went on. A future under Ganga Dattas Kauravas does not bear thinking about. Neither you nor I would have any place in the kind of India they are likely to construct. I quite agree, the Gaga intoned. Go on. That is why we must prepare our battlements now, the young man concluded. And that is why you do not need advice. You need leadership. Leadership which you can provide? the Gaga asked. Leadership, Karna said firmly, that only I can provide. The Gaga was silent for a long moment, weighing the implication of the words as if they were diamonds and he was being called upon to give them away. Very well, he said at last. Name your terms. I believe we can meet them. Karna pulled a piece of paper out of his inside pocket of his double-breasted jacket. I thought this might be required, he said impassively. Here they are. The Gaga took the sheet from him and read it carefully. And this is where my narrative falters, Ganapati, for the young man in the Kamaban standing directly behind him, discreetly looking behind a thick curtain, could not make out the writing from where he stood. Yes, Ganapati, he was one of my men. I have told you repeatedly, haven't I, that I have my sources. They were everywhere, even on the Gaga Shah's personal staff. I'm glad to see that how could he possibly have known Look? which you have been wearing ostentatiously throughout the scene, disappear from your face. A little more faith, Ganapati, a little more respect, a small suspension of disbelief, and you will find our story sailing smoothly on, without all those breaks for justification and explanation, which your furrowed brow periodically imposes upon me. 